Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. It's the middle of October and it's arguably my favorite weekend of the year. The reason? It's the opener for waterfowl season here in Washington State. And I am heading out with my best friend Rusty to a blind to see if we can get some ducks and maybe some of those snow geese that have been showing up lately around Potholes Reservoir and the Desert Wildlife Area in the Columbia Basin. Pheasant hunting season's already been open for a week in Montana. Deer hunting season's been open for a week in Oregon. And there's deer and elk seasons opening up all over the greater Northwest this week and in the weeks ahead. With that in mind, I thought we would talk hunting this week on the show. We've got a couple of great guests we're going to talk with. One of them is Bradley Trumbo. He is a dyed-in-the-wool upland bird hunter last week. We talked about chucker hunting. This week, we're going to take it down a notch, and we're going to talk about quail hunting in the Northwest. And Bradley definitely knows a lot about this, because not only is he a quail hunter, but he also wrote some forecasts for quail forever in terms of how the hunting's going to be in states around our listening area, and he'll share those with you. In addition to that, Brad's also got some tips for you aspiring or novice quail hunters out there, and there are some very good tips indeed that'll help you bag some more birds. Our other hunting guest, well, that would be Troy Rodakowski, one of my favorite outdoors riders, avid hunter. We're going to talk both bucks and ducks with Troy this weekend. We'll start off talking about deer hunting. He loves to go blacktail deer hunting in particular, but he does other deer hunting too. He'll give you some advice on how you can bag a buck this October before the rut. It's not as easy as you think, and the harvest statistics show that. I mean, even the best harvest areas might be one out of three hunters tags out. And the average is often far below that in most areas. After Troy shares some advice about hunting for bucks, we'll get to talk to him about hunting for ducks. He's got some really good advice when it comes to decoys in particular. And he's going to tell you about where he hunts in the Willamette Valley in Oregon on some leased property which is a place where he produces the Duck Chronicles. It's a streaming video of his hunts you can watch on weekend mornings on his Facebook page, and it's a ton of fun to do so. I mean, if you can't be out there yourself in the blind, this is the next best thing, watching Troy in the blind as he streams his hunt for you. It's not all hunting, though. We are going to talk to Bob Loomis with Max Lure for another extended Max Minute. The topic this time, catching fall trout, and some suggestions on how to connect with more of them. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, where you get the chance to win a $25 gift card from America's Premier Outfitter, and I'd say we've got a great show with a lot of hunting and a little fishing coming your way. Let's kick things off with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight, and yes, this is going to be about hunting too. Big game hunter Bill Agler goes to Wyoming in search of a cactus buck. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. I had made arrangements with this outfitter to hunt what they call a cactus buck. A cactus buck is one that has very 
strange looking antlers. Normally for a cactus buck, it's a sterile buck. His antlers grow, they stay in the velvet, and they can go in all many, many different directions as opposed to the standard four by four. So that's what I wanted. On the second day of the hunt, we spot this cactus buck. He's got a big three point on one side and the other side had what they call a drop tine that was 10 inches down, but three inches in diameter at the base. Really strange. You never see that. Plus there was two other points that were sticking up. And I said, that's the one I want. The guide and I maneuvered ourselves into position. I'm laying there on the ground on a prone shot. And I said, what's the distance? He says, 515 yards. And I said, you remember me saying before I didn't want to shoot further than 400 yards? Because I'm shooting a Winchester 270 WSM, and that gun kind of loses accuracy after 400 yards. He said, well, okay, it's your call. I'm laying there. I've got a 20-power scope. I've got the crosshairs set. I've got the scope adjusted for 500 yards. All right, Bill, hold that thought. We'll pick this up tomorrow. A strong season starts with a strong foundation. Not that kind. The kind you get with vellum rise from Bayer. A new potato fungicide nematicide applied in furrow. It builds off Vellum Prime's proven protection from nematodes, adding a season-long suppression of rhizoctonia, all while promoting root health. And with a foundation like that, your crops can rise to their full yield potential. Learn more at vellumrise.com. Always read and follow pesticide label instructions. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. For over 40 years, the Ag Information Network has been providing news and information for the most important industry in the world, agriculture. The Ag Information Network gives you worldwide updates from local producers to regional organizations, from major crops like wheat and corn to animal agriculture to specialty crops like apples, almonds, and cherries. We report on stories that mean the most to you. Online at aginfo.net, the Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism lasting for the next generation. Hope you enjoyed Sportsman Spotlight. I'm David Sparks. See you next time. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Quail hunting season is underway in the Northwest, and this is a really fun species to hunt, especially if you have a dog. One person who really enjoys going after him every year is Bradley Trumbo. He's an outdoors writer based in Walla Walla, Washington, who also wrote for the Quail Forever pheasant hunt forecast this year. Brad, welcome back to the show. Yeah, howdy, John. Thanks for having me back. So let's talk a little bit about where you like to hunt quail and tell me a little bit about your dog, too. All right. Well, let's start with a dog. I mean, that's why everybody likes to hunt birds, right? I'm a setter fan. I have a handful of Llewellyn setters, and we like to hunt quail mostly in, in the northwest in brushy water-type areas, you know, riparian zones, thick and thorny. That's where we find an awful lot of quail here. I don't want you to give away specific places that you hunt necessarily, but give or take, you know, can you give us a few maybe wildlife areas that are worth hitting where you live? 
So I'm down in the, the southeast corner of Washington, and there's an awful lot of federal land down here. And particularly that that's along the, the Snake and Columbia Rivers has really good quail habitat for valley quail. Uh, that's, you know, that's what we have here mostly. And I basically say the same thing for if I'm, if I'm going across the state lines. You know, I'm, I'm looking for river and stream corridors that have that thick, brushy type habitat. So let's talk a little bit about the forecast for this year when it comes to quail. In Washington State, the harvest was actually down the last couple of years. Is that because of drought or something else? You know, that, that could be because of drought. We've had some really strange weather. And actually last year, thinking of spring of 2022, it was cold and wet into June. And then you look at this year, it was quite opposite. We went dry down in southeast Washington uh, about the end of April. Compare and contrast the two, last year with a cold, wet spring, we saw far fewer birds and the broods weren't as strong. This year, we've had at least a couple of clutches on quail. And one of the latest ones that I've seen on my homestead has been in like August. So we've still got some young birds coming into the season and just a lot of birds overall. Well, that's a good sign indeed. Let's talk about the state just south of Oregon. How are things looking there? Oregon is looking pretty good, too, and that's one of the interesting ones. Apparently, folks were expecting it wouldn't be quite as good this year, but overall, it's looking pretty good there, too. Pretty strong broods. Uh, I didn't see any evidence of uh, this being a, a banner year, per se. Certainly a good one. Now, when it comes to Idaho, you know, in the Clearwater country in western Idaho, I think things were pretty similar to where you live and in Washington, Oregon, where quail live. But eastern Idaho had a really hard winter, so how are things looking in the gem state? Eastern Idaho, yeah, hard winters can be, especially as we were talking, you know, cold and wet long into the spring. That can be really hard on getting those initial hatches out and brood rearing. Um, overall, it looks like things have, have probably pulled together to be about average. Again, nothing super, but it didn't look like it too dismal in the end. And let's talk about California, focusing on Northern California, since you wrote the quail hunting forecast for quail forever there. Yeah, and kind of on the lines with what we just talked about for Idaho, things were looking like might not turn out too great this year. There was an early early weather system that impacted some of the, the valley quail clutches there and whatnot, but overall, it's looking like a, another good quail year for valley and mountain quail, particularly in that, that central and northern California region. Well, we've got a couple minutes, and I thought we'd kind of go through a little bit of quail hunting advice, especially for folks who don't do it often, because it's not the same as pheasant hunting at all. What would you recommend for the first-time quail hunter who's walking out there with his dog and is going to walk along a creek? <laughs> so I'm going to say something that is difficult with quail. You know, when you're pheasant hunting, your dog goes on point, you might get up a bird or two. When you're quail hunting and your dog comes into a covey, that explosion of, you know, 10 to 20 birds can be flustering. And so one of the things, particularly with valley quail, is you don't necessarily get a full covey flush at one time. So try to keep calm, you know, pull up, get a good feel, a good seating of the shotgun butt, get your eye down on that rib. And even if you shoot at that initial flush, make sure you pick one bird. But I recommend hanging on because you're going to get another late flush typically. Could be a handful of birds, could be a couple of singles come out late. There's usually always another chance from that initial flush. So don't get too excited, you know, keep your calm and shoot straight. You know, that's really good advice. And I can't think of how many times I've flushed quail and sagebrush and it's almost like a, a popcorn popper going off because you'll yep. get all of them at first and then you get, like you said, a few more. Then almost invariably there's like one or two singles that happen after that. And it is a, a lot of fun. And a lot of folks, you're right, they'll get that first covey, especially if they miss, they just tromp off after them and they, they miss some of those birds that are still holding. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. And and the beautiful thing about quail too is when that covey busts up and those birds come and, and sprinkle out, you can hunt singles and doubles. You know, that dog can get plenty of work in for the next hour or so until you find another covey. Any other advice you'd give to the novice quail hunter? So, yeah, there you don't necessarily need a dog to hunt quail, and particularly valley quail. You can just walk a creek bottom, walk those brushy edges, or if there's something like brush or sagebrush along the edge of a crop field, uh, you can probably find quail that way. Listen for them. Valley quail in particular are very vocal, and you can actually find uh, quail calls that you can vocalize with quail and locate those cuffies. So it's, you can walk them up. Not quite as easy as having a dog locate them for you, but you don't need a dog to be successful on valley quail. So here's a question that I've always struggled with as a quail hunter. Like you said, quail, they love that sticky, thick stuff. Sometimes it's so thick that dogs can't get at it. How do you flush quail out of those areas so you can get a shot at them? Seems like unless it's something like Himalayan blackberry, you can scramble in there and, and get birds nervous enough to get them moving. But yeah, if, if you can't get a dog in to flush them or if it's literally just too big of a patch, sometimes you, you just can't get them up. I've always thrown rocks into the patch and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and speaking of that, I usually carry a pair of clippers in case I happen to drop a bird into the blackberries and have to go in for it. That is good advice, and that's actually something I should heed because I've really tore myself up trying to retreat quail before, so that's mm -hmm. a good one there. Well, there you go, folks. Some great advice on hunting quail from Brad Trumbo. And if you want to read the state-by-state -state quail hunting forecast, just go to quailforever.org. That's the website to go to, quailforever.org. Pick the states you're interested in and find out how quail is forecast to be this fall. And it's looking like there should be some very good hunting out there. And by the way, if you love quail like I do, like Brad does, consider joining Quail Forever. It's a great organization. They're all about conserving quail and the habitat they live in. And again, the website to go to, quailforever.org. Brad, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Yeah, thanks, John. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. That's the company that delivers delicious, wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. Everything from Copper River sockeye salmon to halibut to sablefish and even king crab legs. Better still, they are offering a 10% discount to our listeners. If you want to take advantage of that, go to SenaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SenaSea.com, and put in the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. Once you do that, you get 10% off your entire order. The website again, SenaSea.com, and the promo code for 10% off, OUTDOORSRADIO. Do you love to fish? Do you love to eat fish? Well, if you do, you know how important it is to have something to keep things sharp. Now, in the boat, it might be something to keep your hook sharp, like maybe the pocket knife sharpener from WorkSharp, which also works just fine along with the guided field sharpener for keeping fillet knives sharp. So when it comes to cleaning those fish you catch for the day, you can get that done in a hurry. And let's not forget back at the house when you're preparing those fish for a meal. That's when you want to have a kitchen knife sharpener, and there's several electric ones available. You can find them all at WorkSharpTools.com. 
which lists all sorts of both manual and electric sharpeners you can use in the kitchen, in the shop, or in the field. Sharp hooks and sharp knives make for a happy day on the water, so get your sharpener today at WorkSharpTools.com or look for these products at quality sporting goods stores and hardware stores near you. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Pheasants Forever is working hard every day to ensure there's more wildlife habitat for the future. Join the Habitat Leader and help create wildlife habitat in your community. Go to pheasantsforever.org. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute brought to you by Max Lure. It is indeed time for another Max Minute, brought to you every week by Max Lure. And with us again is Bob Loomis. Bob, fall is here. Are you enjoying it as much as I am? Absolutely. It's that time of year. You know, it is. And I've got a hankering to head down to Washington's only blue ribbon trout stream, the Yakima, and see if I can get in to some trout. But, you know, there's other rivers I'd love to fish as well this time of year. The Klickitat comes to mind. The Deschutes comes to mind. There's just all sorts of streams that fish well in the month of October all over the Northwest. But if I go, what should I use to catch some of these fall trout? Well, you know, John, the same holds true, just like what we had talked about the walleye. You know, you're you're talking about the time of year when a lot of the bug hatches are going to be eliminated. You know, everything changes because you're going from that hot to cooler temperatures. And the fish are going to go on the feed bag. They're going to go on the bite because they're going to try to eat anything and everything they can. Going to larger profiles is the name of the game. You know, especially when you start talking about trolling, using 5.8-inch double-D dodgers and 6-inch sling blades, peewee uh, spinner hoochies. Larger profile products for this time of the year are an absolute go-to. So I'm guessing when it comes to my personal favorite, the Promise Keeper Spinner, instead of using the one-eighth ounce I normally use, maybe go to the quarter ounce and same thing with the quick lure upsize that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go to a larger profile. You know, the double whammy classic, going to that larger profile, metal blades, things like that that are going to draw fish from further away and with that larger profile trigger a bite much quicker. All right, folks. Well, just like last week, when it comes to fall fishing, it's time to upsize, not downsize. And you do so with all sorts of offerings from Max Lure, specifically for trout, whether you're trolling them up in a lake or fishing for them in a river. Find out more at maxlure.com. Wedding rings? I've had as many as I've got fingers on my hands. I started off with the Wedding Ring Classic, of course. That smooth blade from Indiana. That beaded body. The sharp hook. We caught a lot of trout together over the years, but then that patented smile blade wedding ring, well, let's just say it took my fancy, along with the trout and the kokanee. Now I'm going through this new age sort of phase. You might say I'm hooked on the new high UV colored wedding rings and I'm catching more fish than ever. So yeah, I've got a whole bunch of wedding rings. You should get some too. Don't look at the jewelry store though. These wedding ring spinners are from Max Lure and you'll find them at the sporting goods store 
one near you or online at maxlure.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. A lot of you out there are deer hunting this weekend. It's opening weekend in Washington State. Oregon opened up in the Western Zone last weekend, and a lot of folks are in the woods on the hunt for black-tailed deer, white-tailed deer, and muleys. With us here to help you with some tips to help you bag, especially a black-tailed deer, is Troy Rodakowski, that prolific outdoors writer from Junction City, Oregon, who's got an article in this month's edition of Northwest Sportsman Magazine that's all about black-tailed deer hunting. Troy, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. It's always great to visit with you. You have a, a dilemma this year. So your article, Stay Up for the Late Late Show, details the fact that the blacktail deer season in Western Oregon is a really good season. It's modern firearm season, runs from October 7th all the way to November 10th. And that's good because there's something called the rut that's going to happen, isn't it? That's right. You know, typically, I mean, this the, the whole season has been jogged back by a whole week this year. So it goes later by a week than it normally has. And for these blacktails, especially over here in Western Oregon, they really start getting ruddy about the 7th to the 10th of November. I mean, you're going to see a lot of deer moving then. So a lot of these guys that are buying the -the over-the-counter general rifle tags for Western Oregon this year are going to have some really good success. Now, here's a question for you. You actually drew a controlled hunt muzzleloader tag, but that means you can't draw a general rifle tag. You can't tag out on both. So what did you decide to do? So I've decided, honestly, it was a really tough decision. And, you know, the the rifle season's a really long season. The muzzleloader season is only about a week. And the muzzleloader season runs from about the 19th for about uh, 19th through the 29th, I believe, something like that, of November. And I was like, well, do I hunt the early rut and buy a general rifle tag and have a month to hunt or keep my muzzleloader tag that I drew? And I've honestly decided to keep my muzzleloader tag, but I think I would have did just as well, if not better, with a general rifle tag this year. A lot of folks, like I said, are out in the woods. Always a lot of excitement when it comes to opening weekend and the week that follows. But it's not the easiest hunting, is it? It's not the easiest because the thing about black-tailed deer is they, they know what time of year it is. I, you know, I've, I've got bucks I watch year-round, and the closer we get to the first week of October and they remove their velvet and rub their velvet off, they start to become more and more nocturnal. You don't see them during the day. They find places to go hide. They move a lot at night. So they turn into these vampires that disappear, and you just got to gotta be very patient with a black-tailed deer. How do you hunt them this time of year before the rut? The best thing this time of year is find good food sources and trails and get away from main road systems, hunt roadless areas, private property, and you have to be patient. And it's usually a really early in the morning game and right before dusk. 
is when a lot of these bucks are going to be moving in. Spending time, uh, you know, during the hours of 3 p.m. to dark and sunrise till about 10 in the morning, that's key with blacktails early in the season. So what do you do in between? Take a nap, eat lunch, watch football? Take a nap, eat lunch, and watch football. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to tell everybody to do that because, you know, every once in a while I hear a story, and I've done it myself. I shot a buck a couple years ago right at noon as he was moving from one patch of timber to the other, and he was up stretching his legs and moving right in the middle of the day, and he probably thought, well, there's not going to be anybody out here hunting. So not that hunts in the middle of the day won't work. A lot of times these older, smarter bucks will take that, time and that advantage of people going back out of the woods or not being ready to move. So you kind of got to just take the temperature of the deer and and what the weather's doing and, and keep that in mind too. So here's another question for you. In the article, you were talking about scouting beforehand, finding an area where the deer were active, putting yourself in a choke point, and that was great because the deer essentially came to you through some calling. But there's other hunters that will spot and stalk. They'll do a lot of glassing. They'll find the deer, and they'll set up a stock on them. When it comes to the different species of deer, what techniques do you prefer? Let's break it down by blacktail, whitetail, and mule deer. So for blacktail, you know, blacktail, typically, you're not going to find a lot of deer out in the clear cut, unless it is towards opening weekend. They, they tend to gravitate more towards the reprod and the thicker cover. So if you're hunting blacktail opening weekend, yeah, it's great to glass them. And yes, you can spot and stock a blacktail, but Western Oregon, Western Washington is just really thick cover. So the best thing to do, like I said in the article, is find some of these trails and these choke points and these travel routes that these deer are taking and just find a good place to sit and be patient and call. And eventually you're going to see some deer and you just have to take a little bit of time. It's not going to happen right away. I mean, at least usually it doesn't happen right away, but finding those spots ahead of time or even during season, that's key with blacktail. All right. As for whitetail and mule deer, is it more of a spot and stock show there? Mostly, you know, the whitetail and the mule deer, depending on what species of whitetail you're, if you're hunting mountain whitetail in open country mule deer, yeah, I mean, you, you use a lot of the same tactics with the whitetail that you do the blacktail. As far as mule deer goes, I mean, good optics in open country and being able to put a stock on them or make a, a longer shot and knowing your gun, that's key with the mule deer. What kind of rifle and ammunition do you use as a deer hunter? My favorite gun for blacktails, honestly, is a 30-30 open sight. I like to get pretty intimate with them. You know, I like to be in close. I like to watch deer coming down trails. It's either that or my 308. So it's a 30-30 or a 308. Those are the two calibers I prefer for blacktail hunting. And when it comes to mule deer hunting, I'm guessing it's a little bit different choice. So, yeah, for mule deer, I'll use a 7mm short mag with a night force scope and a longer range gun like an MOA rifle or or something that uh, I can reach out there a little bit further with. Any preferred ammunition? I love Hornaday. I love Berger. You know, Winchester, Nosler, they all make pretty good rounds. The key is is make sure you go to the range and and, and get that gun dialed with the exact ammo that you're going to use during your hunt this fall because you can't be mixing and matching this stuff as you go because that's going to cause a lot of frustration and, and heartache. We got time for one more tip for deer hunters that are trying to find success after opening day weekend and before the rut. What would you suggest? Well, those deer, yeah, the pre-rut hunting, you you know, they're going to become more and more reclusive. So finding 
hidden little areas away from human activity and where it's quiet and where they can sneak through and move without being detected, that's how you're going to find success with these blacktails and, and, and mule deer also. As the season progresses, they're going to be tougher to locate. And if you can just find some of these places where nobody else is going and the deer like to be, that's where you're going to find success. All right. We've got to wrap up this discussion about bucks, but if you don't mind, I'd like you to hang around and have a discussion about ducks because I know you love duck hunting and I've got questions for you. Sounds great, man. I'll stick around. Stick around, folks. We'll have more from Troy Rodakowski right after this short word from our sponsors. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio, and you're back in with outdoors writer Troy Rodokowski. You just heard from him with some great advice about how to bag a buck this October. But now we're going to talk about his other love when it comes to hunting, and that would be duck hunting. Troy, thanks for sticking around. Oh, you bet. You know, bucks and ducks, I love them both, and then I can't wait for duck season. It's coming up quick. Well, I know that you lease some property in the Willamette Valley every year where you do most of your duck hunting. Without giving away exactly where it's at, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, it's just outside Brownsville, and basically, um, you know, being in the ag industry, I know a lot of these folks that lease some of their land out and actually use their land for waterfowl enhancement and, uh, you know, game bird enhancement. And this place here that I go to, I'm happy to let people know it's River Refuge Seed out of Brownsville. and. Dave Rogers is the owner, and he actually does a really good job 
enhancing his farm and, and land around there for wildlife. And he's done a really good job at attracting waterfowl over the years. So does he just flood his fields or does he have some existing ponds there and then floods his fields in addition to that at certain times of year? Yeah, so he has existing ponds. He has wells that he uses to irrigate his crops that most of these crops they grow are actually for waterfowl and uh, upland and reclamation enhancement projects. So what they do is once they've harvested a lot of these fields, they'll flood them and these fields, a good number of them have blinds located at them. So then they'll gradually flood them either by natural rain or they'll turn on a pump and flood them as needed. And that'll provide feed for the waterfowl. And they only hunt them two days a week. So the waterfowl come in there, they have a good place to hang out and get fat and happy as they migrate south. Oh, this sounds like a great operation. I'm guessing that he's full up. He probably has a waiting list when it comes to people wanting to hunt on his property. He does. He's got a really long list. And, you know, I've been there for over 10 years, but it took a really long time for me to get that phone call. So, you know, anybody that can find a list to get on, I recommend getting on a list because it's nice to have a place that you can rely on every year. Well, this weekend is the opening weekend of hunting in Washington State. It's the opener in several other states as well. And... You know, it's all good on opening day because the ducks are uneducated, but that education takes about 24 hours and all of a sudden it's really tough to hunt ducks until those northerns come down. So let's talk about some tips for hunting October ducks because, again, after the opener, it's not so easy. Why don't you give us a little bit of advice on things you do for success? Right. After the opener, I mean, here's the thing, you know, you're during the opener, the first week or so of season, you're shooting a lot of local birds. So, you know, it tends to be fairly easy. You don't have to call much. As the season progresses, you're going to get some of those northern birds in. But, you know, during the first couple of weeks, you don't want to overdo the decoys. You don't need to overdo the decoys. Birds are going to want to go where the feed is. They're going to want to be where they have a nice place to land in water. Because let's face it, early in the season and the, you know, the way the weather pattern has been, you know, we're pretty dry in a lot of places here in the Pacific Northwest. So if you can find a good place with water and feed, that's going to be the key during the early season on a lot of these ducks and geese. Let's talk a little bit about decoys. First off, it sounds like you don't use a ton of decoys, and I agree with you. You generally don't have to early in the season. Do you use magnum decoys or do you use just standard size decoys? I usually use the standards. I mean, you know, there's certain situations that you can use the magnums to pull in birds from a long ways away. But, you know, like I said, a lot of these birds, they're either patterned to, you know, a good feeding and roosting area and working back and forth. So especially early in the season on the ducks and geese, if they see a little handful of decoys, they're actually pretty darn curious and they, they haven't been shot at a lot. So they're they're pretty unaware of what might be waiting down there. So they drop in a lot quicker earlier in the season on, on just a small amount of decoys. And the next question is the type of decoy. So used to be, and you still can, buy just the, the plastic decoys. The paint jobs have gotten a lot better than they were when I started 40, 50 years ago. But they also have flocked decoys. And the flocked decoys, they don't give off that shine that standard decoys, the plastic decoys, give when the sun's shining on them. Do you like the flocked decoys or do you just use the standard ones? I like to use the best decoys I can find. I mean, I know that the prices are fairly expensive on some of these high-end decoys, and there's two or three manufacturers out there to do a great job. You know, the more realistic the birds look, 
the better that the live birds are going to decoy in, and that and that's just the truth of the matter. And it it, it goes, you know, not only hunting waterfowl, but same with turkey decoys and all the way down the line. If it looks real, the animals actually are going to notice that, especially once the season gets going and they've been shot out a few times. The more realistic the spread looks and the decoys look, they're going to be more apt to drop in on you. Speaking of realism, I'm guessing you probably have some like feeder decoys where just the butt is showing on the dabbling duck. You probably have some decoys where the birds are, you know, in a resting position with their neck tucked back because we both know just having 24 decoys and they're all looking straight ahead, not so realistic. That's right. That's right. It's good to have a good mixture of what they do in real life. You know, if you've got some feeders, you've got some standers that are on the edge, and then you've got some others that are uh, got their head cocked or preening. Uh, it's important because, you know, when you watch a flock of ducks, and I advise anybody that actually hunts waterfowl a lot or wants to get into waterfowl hunting, go out and watch a flock of ducks that are out there in a pond somewhere on, on in a field and see what they do. And that's how you're going to learn to want to mimic that with your decoy spread. Something else when it comes to realism is movement. Now in Washington State you cannot use electric motorized decoys so you have hunters that will have jerk strings attached to a decoy and they'll jerk it to create motion in the water. There's also the theory of just you know this is developed in Arkansas the timber sands literally just kicking the water around you to impart some movement in the water and then you've got the decoys that have either through wind or through electricity the wings move the spinners as they call them what do you use in Oregon so we use we use a jerk string a lot you know we'll do a lot of reliable motion with the jerk cord you know and then uh, wind propelled wingers the, you know, we'll put one or two out in our spread. But the key, really, especially as the season goes on, they're going to want to see the movement. And if you've got a stringer with six or eight birds attached to it and you can get that to work around and create waves, that's going to move all your other decoys, too, and it's going to make that look like a flock that's moving around, feeding, you know, and moving back and forth. And, and birds, actually, once they've been shot out a few times, that will work wonders for a, for a decoy spread. Jump shooting, something you're probably not doing on your lease property, but do you find this to be a pretty successful October tactic? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I grew up in the Willamette Valley here where we had filbert orchards on the edges of our sloughs on the farm. Some of the first ducks I ever shot in my life when I was a youngster, you know, we'd jump shoot wood ducks and mallards out of the slough. And the key with that is you want to have a good dog because a lot of times you're, you're shooting these ducks and they're going down in the water. And there's a lot of ducks, especially early in the season, that find these backwater sloughs because there is water in them and everywhere else is dry. And there's feed around them in the filbert orchards and the ryegrass fields and the harvested grain fields. So it, it is a great tactic to bag some birds. Also works on public lands, you know, even in desert areas where you've got ponds because those ducks, they'll stay away from those places that are getting pressure and they'll find these teeny little ponds that you never expect to find birds on just chock full of ducks. I remember jumping literally a hundred ducks off a little cattail pond that, that I didn't expect to see anything on. So it's definitely worthwhile to do some jump shooting. And last question for you, Troy, the Duck Chronicles, your live Facebook streaming duck hunts that you broadcast in the past. Are you going to do that again this year? 
we're going to be doing it again. You can find the Duck Blind Chronicles on Facebook. Follow the Duck Blind Chronicles, and you guys can tune in every week or when it works. We're going to have live duck feeds and uh, from the blind, and we'll announce that ahead of time so you know that you can wake up and drink your coffee and eat your breakfast and watch us shoot some ducks. That sounds fantastic. That's the Duck Blind Chronicles on Facebook. You can also follow Troy Rodakowski on his personal Facebook page, too. And make sure you're keeping up with his articles with Oregon Hunter and Northwest Sportsman Magazine and the American Shooting Journal. Troy, thanks as always for being on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me, man. It's always great. Thanks, John. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallawa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallawa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallawa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallawa County. Plan your visit today at WallawaCountyChamber.com. That's WallawaCountyChamber.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Many people think that Ducks Unlimited is a hunting club or a clothing manufacturer. It's not. Ducks Unlimited is the leading waterfowl and wetlands conservation organization in the world. Here in Idaho, we've lost nearly 76% of our wetlands. Ducks Unlimited is working to stop that loss. In Idaho alone, DU has restored and conserved over 27,000 acres of wetlands. Learn more about the benefits of wetlands and what Ducks Unlimited is doing for Idaho's future. Visit ducks.org Idaho. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might get away.
Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lur. I'm glad you're back. If you're out deer hunting this weekend or elk hunting where it's open and you come across a check station, please stop. They're not just checking to make sure you're following the rules. They really want to make sure that the animal you harvested doesn't have chronic wasting disease. It's a real issue that's popping up in all of our northwestern states, and it doesn't take them very much time at all to get a blood sample from that animal, get it tested, and think about it this way. If it is infected with chronic wasting disease, you'll probably want to know that and they'll let you know. Stopping at the check station also helps biologists figure out what kind of harvest is going out there too. So again, don't avoid the check station. Roll on into the check station and get that animal checked. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And with pheasant season upon us, it is about the pheasant. It was introduced into Oregon's Willamette Valley back in the late 1800s. And here's your question. What country was the pheasant introduced from? If you know the answer, you know what to do. Just shoot us an email at john at northwesternoutdoors.com or just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email through the site there. One lucky person who guesses right will win a $25 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse, which will come in very handy with hunting season underway because you know you're going to need more stuff. If nothing else, ammo. And they've also got a great hunt sale going on. So you definitely want to head on down, take advantage of the deals, and get ready to be successful this hunting season. On that note, it is time to go. And for good reason. I need to get out there and do some waterfowl hunting. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.